Cool, super. Okay, welcome. My name is Josh. I am going to make this smaller. Maybe that's too small. Uh, I lead the church plant here. Uh, yeah, so if you're new here, it's very nice to meet you. What we do every week at Good First is we open the scriptures together and we look at what they have to say to us. We believe that the Bible is God's word, that it speaks to us, that it's useful, that it teaches us and helps us live out the Christian life. And so we do that every week. Um, so if you have a Bible, do bring it. If you don't have a Bible, it could be something to get. Uh, you can get them on your phones and apps and stuff like that, or you can buy like a real nice, real one. What do you mean? That you can hold and hit people with and stuff like that. This one's real. That's real as well. Um, and if you have a Bible with you today, please turn to Revelation, which is the last easy, which is the last book of the Bible. You'll find it. Just go right to the end, and that will be Revelation. Today we're going to be taking a break from our series. So, as a church plan, we're going through the book of Galatians, a book written by the Apostle Paul, um, an early church leader, and we've been going through that for about a year. And really, the message of that is freedom that being a christian is all about the freedom that jesus brings and we heard that so clearly today throughout worship i got very emotional um just hit, just re- being reminded of who jesus is what he's done for us he's just amazing mm-hmm. um and the book of galatians just that like, unpacks that week after week you're sort of going through and you're like wow it's jesus it's grace it's freedom it's jesus it's grace it's freedom mm-hmm. like, every week we basically hear the same thing and it's it's been fantastic but we're going to take a pause for just one week, when we look, I know it's outrageous. When we look, and we're going to look at the topic, the church. Okay, three questions: What is the church? Why do church? And we're going to touch very, very quickly on how we do church. Okay, this is a rather large topic for a thirty-minute talk, but I'm going to do my best just to give a little bit of, you know what is the church, why we want to be involved in the church, do we want to be involved in the church, and then a little bit on how we're going to do church, and hopefully it's going to be helpful. But Revelation chapter 7 is where we're going to spend some of our time today. We're going to jump around a little bit. Again, when we're going through Galatians, we stay in one scripture, really. Today we're just going to jump around a little bit, but we're going to read a bit from Revelation. Before... I read from Revelation, a word of warning about Revelation. (laughs) Revelation is a book that is very different to books that get written today. Okay, it is called apocalyptic literature. So basically what that is, it's using visions and, uh, and pictures to describe realities, past, present, future realities. And so when you look in the book of Revelation, you might have even seen some of these on your way to Revelation 7, you find like dragons and creatures with seven heads and like people, like babies about to be eaten and stuff like that. And you might read and think, what on earth is this? And if you take it literally, what happens is you end up thinking like Barack Obama is the Antichrist and that Jesus <laughs> will be returning on the 21st of May 2019. And you get like all these confusions. That is not how you're supposed to read the book of Revelation. Okay, it's picture languages, it, it's a literature a form of literature that we just don't have these days, really. Um, but it's an amazing picture about what's going on. So I've heard it explained before, 
that it's almost like, if you imagine us here in this room, our main stage, okay, you're at the theatre, we are main stage. I hope I get the terminology correct, Beth. We have an actor amongst us, you say. Uh, always helpful having an actor amongst you. I'm nervous I get the technology right, the terminology right. Um, okay, so we're all like main stage. Um, but what the book of Revelation is, it's like a peak behind the main stage. And so it's, it's like the curtains are opening, and you know behind in the stage there's someone doing the lights, there's someone changing people, there's someone doing the makeup and stuff like that. That's a little bit like when you open the book of Revelation, you see this peak either into the future or what's going on now about the spiritual reality of the world. Okay, we physically, we see things. I see a speaker, I see Alid, I see all of you, I see this. But what Revelation does, it opens the doors and it says, hey, there's a spiritual reality as well. And I think if I was to say this to someone in Africa, they'd be like, yeah, of course there's a spiritual reality. What are you talking about? Actually, in Western society, it's a little bit more like, is there really a spiritual reality? Mm. Yes, there is. And Revelation is one book that just paints this amazing picture about the spiritual reality. Um, so, Revelation chapter 7. I have it on the board. After this, I looked. So this is, this is John. John is the guy who wrote the book, and he is seeing a picture. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Can I just check? I'm very new to all of Yes, of course you can. Sunday school when I was about six, was sort of the last thing really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Lamb, what exactly is the Lamb? I will explain, I will explain it in a minute. Oh. Okay. Um, so what we have here is actually a super, like in Revelation terminology, a super simple um, picture that John sees. So what does he see? He sees one group of people that are a great multitude, no one can number from every nation, all tribes, peoples, and languages. And then there's this other person, or lamb, that they're worshipping, that they're singing to, that they're saying, uh, salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the lamb. So who is this lamb? This lamb is Jesus. And we've got this one people worshipping from all tribes, nations, tongues, this great multitude that you just can't count, worshipping Jesus. And that's what we see there. And actually, that's a little bit of what we took part of this morning. It's just brilliant, like being led towards the Lamb. And so when we sung, we were worshipping the Lamb. How come it's Jesus and not God that we worship? I get confused, honestly. Could I explain after? Yeah, Is that sure. okay? We can get ten minutes yeah, afterwards. Sure. Is that okay? Okay. Um, so we have, on one side we have this people that no one can number. On the other side we have God... And what this is, is a beautiful picture of the church. The people of God. So what does the church look like? What does... What, um, who are the church? It's the people of God. And they're from all tribes, all nations, all languages, worshipping Jesus. I think if we begin at Genesis, the first book of the Bible... And we work our way through to Revelation, the last 
book of the Bible, there's obviously a lot of words and a lot of pages. But within that, I think there's one, there's one thread that sort of you can feel it going the whole way through. And I could sum it up by saying this. God wants a people. God wants a family. So right at the beginning of Genesis, God creates Adam, he creates Eve, he creates people, and, and, and from that day, we see this, this growth. God brings a people forward. And so you meet this guy called Abraham in Genesis, you don't need to turn there, in Genesis 12, and he meets this guy, Abraham. Now, Abraham is 75 years old, okay? And this is a guy whose name means, Abraham means exalted father. And back in that culture, the names were powerful. So if this guy is called exalted father, Abraham, that means he has loads of kids. Except this man and his wife have no children. Yet God comes to him and says, Abraham, of you, I will make you a great nation. I'm going to make a people out of you. And then we, if we just like go along a little bit to Genesis 17, we see again, Abraham still childless with his wife, and then we see God again say to Abraham, do you know what? I'm going to call you a different name. Now you're going to be known as Abraham. What does that mean? Father of nations. And, and, and God says, you in Genesis 17, you will be the father of many nations. God is interested in making a people. And, and, then, and then the rest is history. Okay, that, that begins. He does become the father of nations. He lives up to his name, Abraham. And, and, and through the whole of the Old Testament, you see the people of God, the Israelites, Jews, and you see that this is a people of God. And it's amazing that they're, they're not perfect, much like us. They, they, sometimes they're like on fire for God. They love God. They're like, oh, you're amazing. We love you. La, la, la. And on other times they're like, oh, really despise God. You know, why did you do that to us? Why did you do that? You... So they're, they're up and down, but all the time they're the people of God. In fact, one time we see in the beginning of Exodus that they're in Egypt and they're in slavery. God's people, the Israelites, are in slavery. They've got another taskmaster, they've got another master. And what does, what does God say about this? Well, he brings someone to the Pharaoh, to the leader, and he says, through Moses, through a speaker, he says, let my people go to Pharaoh. This is God speaking through Moses. My people, let them go. And of course, they go. And then so the whole way through the Old Testament, we see this beautiful picture of the people of God, the Israelites. God is so faithful. Perhaps you come here today with just a, an awareness that people can't always be faithful. You can't always trust people. Perhaps you've been let down in the past. Well, God isn't like that. God is faithful. He's, he, whenever God says he will do something, he will do it. So to Abraham, exalted father, who was fa fatherless, childless, he said, I will make of you a great nation. And even now today, you can trace actually religions back to the roots of Abraham. God is faithful. You can trust. When God says something, you can trust it. So when Nina shared from the Bible uh, that, you know, that in the Bible it says, Jesus has come that you may have life and have it abundantly. That's true. That's God being faithful. If you accept Jesus in your life, then God will be faithful to that. You will have freedom. But notice this is one group of people. And if we're looking at Revelation 17 here, I don't think it's the full picture. It's one group of people, descendants of Abraham. And 
something that goes along this story, the whole of the Old Testament talks about this people of God, and something that goes alongside that, there's just whispers, there's just hints that, hey, God's doing something new, God's going to do something new, perhaps there's going to be someone else who's going to come, who's going to open up the door, so it's not just Abraham and, and his family and his descendants, you don't just need to be born into his family, but perhaps he's going to open the door so other people can, all nations, all tribes, all tongues, like it says here, and there's these whispers, and they get louder, and they get louder, and they get louder, until the beginning of the New Testament, in a barn, a baby is born. Jesus. It's good news. I'll get emotional with myself, I'm sorry. Jesus was born in a barn 2,000 years ago to open the door for us, so that this can happen, so that now it's not if you're part of Abraham's family, if you're an Israelite, now it is all tribes, all tongues, everyone, wherever you're from, whether you're from Sweden, whether you're from England, whether you're from Canada, all tribes, all tongues are welcomed in to the people of God. It is amazing. And that's all through Jesus. So in Galatians, which we've been looking at as a church, we find it's not about what you do, it's not about how you dress, that's why I'm wearing a hoodie with a strange like English thing right? apparently yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's not about how I dress, it's not about what we're going to go and eat in a minute, it's not about acting in a special way that will make us come into the people of God it is all about Jesus he's done it, we couldn't do it, we were dead okay, we were not able to become into the people of God, we weren't born in the right family, but Jesus was and through Jesus, we are welcomed in to the people of God. God wants a people of all nations, all tribes, all tongues. It's an amazing picture. Uh, I just want just an interesting thought. If you've ever thought about where the Christianity sort of centre is. Where, where are the most people Christians in the world? And I would hazard a guess we can have a a heated discussion afterwards, but I'd hazard to guess it's somewhere perhaps like China, somewhere in Asia at the moment. That is the place at the moment where there's literally the most Christians, bish bash bosh, like that is where the most are. Because in China, like literally day by day, thousands and thousands, I think something like 10,000 people are getting saved on average a day in China. 10,000 people are saying, yes, Jesus, you're my saviour. It hasn't always been in China, surprisingly. In fact, Christianity started off in Jerusalem. And that was the centre. But then it went over to Antioch, and that was the centre. And then the most Christians were in Alexandria, that was the centre. And then Rome, and then Western Europe, and then North America, and then Africa, and then Latin America, and then Asia. The, the, the reality of, of one centre of Christians, just, it just doesn't work for Christianity. Because God is part, he, he wants a people from all nations, all tribes, all tongues. So it's not staying in Jerusalem. That's why maybe he's in China now, or wherever it is. Like God is moving around, and it's amazing. We're part of this national people, national, international people of God, multinational, <laughs> whatever. And actually, interestingly, a lot of other religions, the bigger religions, kind of like they're, they're, where they were founded, that's where they kind of still are. That's where their majority will be. You think Hindu, perhaps uh, India, uh, Islam, that can perhaps be Middle East, uh, Saudi Arabia, that sort of place, Mormons, North America, they're still there. That's the majority. Not for Christianity. Why is that? Because he wants a people of God, a people 
for all nations. Full of all nations. And it's an incredible picture. All tribes, all nations, all tongues. What is that? What am I describing here? It is the church. And it's amazing. It really is. It's not, we're not like one headquarters and it's always been there. It's moving around because God is interested in a people called the church. And this, as good first, is what we get to be a part of. We get brought into this incredible thing called the church. There are many misconceptions about what church is. Okay, church is the building where you go to on a Sunday, you hear the Ten Commandments, you realise you broke all of them, and you go home feeling really, really depressed. Hopefully you haven't broke all of them, because that is like you should not like kill and stuff in them. Yeah. So hopefully you've not broken all of them in a week. But you leave really depressed. Or, or or church is the building that you go to to get married or to have a funeral. Or if you just, you know, you've had a tough day, you go into a nice quiet church and you just sit there and sort of like think about things. That the church is a building is a massive misconception. What do we see here uh, is that the church is the people of God. It's God's family. God wants a people. It's right the way through. Old Testament, before Jesus. New Testament, after Jesus. What do we see? This thread that goes through. It's God wants a people. What are they called? Well, the church. God doesn't want a building. He doesn't want some bricks and some mortar and a nice stained glass window. He wants a people. And that's why we can come here this morning. We're church. We're, at a, we're in a school. Junior club. Free deeds. But this is church. This is church, because wherever we go, we take church with us. So church can be in a pub. Church can be in the cinema. It can be at a gym. It can be football. It can be whatever. We bring, take church with us, because we, the church is the people. So it doesn't matter where you meet. In Ephesians 5, we, at the end of Ephesians 5, a book in the New Testament, uh, we read this incredible description of husbands and wives. So you find out, okay, this is kind of this is good for husbands to do, this is good for a wife to do, and it's just really helpful to read and think, yeah, okay, these are some good things to put in a marriage. But then the author, Paul, at the end of explaining like the role of a husband, the role of a wife, at the end he says, Do you know what? He drops this massive bomb. I'm actually talking about Christ and the church. And he says, This is a profound mystery. This is this is just like amazing. That I'm not actually really. I, mean, I am talking about husbands and wives, but alongside that, there's this greater picture that husbands and wives represent, and that is Christ and the church. The church is the bride of Christ. It's amazing. Like, it's amazing. So, a quick recap before we move on to the why. What is church the people of God okay we have been grafted in to the Israelites and now we can also say hey we, you know if we were all to be found in slavery in Egypt God could speak and say let my people go and he'd be talking about us okay we are part of the people of God it's amazing <coughs> why do church why do church because it's the bride of Christ. Do you not want to be involved in the bride of Christ? 
it's quite an amazing picture, really. Uh, recently, we've been looking at this scripture that says that we're sons of God. If you become a Christian, then you're a son of God. And I think there's a number of people that have come up to me and said, wow, now I understand what being a son of God actually is. It's amazing. It's like this life change. If it really sinks in that I am a son of God, okay, male and female, if I am a son of God, then it actually changes everything. It's the truth that it means that when we come this morning, we don't need to wear anything special because we're a son of God. It means that when we pray, when Emil started that first... Uh, thing, chord. Chord. Good. Uh, we, we didn't need to warm up because we're sons of God. We come straight into his presence. It means when we pray, we can say, hey God, we really need this. And, and if it's in his will, he will give it to us. Because we're sons. And so we found out that truth. And I, I hope it is sinking into us. And I hope that we grow in that. And become mature in that. I also think that the church being the bride of Christ. If we let that sink in. It will give us a whole new perspective. Of what the church is. Of why I want to be a part of it. It just, I think it changes everything. Uh, on 30th, 30th of August, which maybe was a Wednesday. Was it Wednesday? It was our wedding anniversary. You should know. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, it was. It was our wedding anniversary. We, we have celebrated nine years of marriage, and it was nine years ago that Nina, that I was uh, in a small town in the north of England. Uh, dressed up in my penguin suit. <laughs> did I have a penguin suit? Yeah. I think I did, yeah. <laughs> you know, one of those ones that you got. Um, and I was waiting at the end of the aisle, and there was music uh, being played, and I was waiting for my girlfriend, soon to be wife, to come through the door. And amazingly, she the, the door opened, and someone came through it, and it was Nina. Which <laughs> 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 I was like, whoo, <laughs> Yeah, she hasn't come to her senses yet. Quickly get the ring on her finger yeah. as soon as possible. Um, but, you know, when she walked down the aisle, like, it was just an amazing moment. You know, the music was going, all my friends were there, but most importantly, um, Nina was coming towards me. She had this beautiful dress on. She had lovely hair. She just looked amazing. And I got super emotional, um, but I didn't want to cry because at that point I was really nervous about crying in front of people. I think now I've probably cried about five times this morning. I've become a bit emotional recently. <laughs> but at that point, so I was like, oh, quickly, turn around. Don't, don't, don't try not to cry. Um, I mean, she just looked great. She looked amazing. I thought, well, that is Nina. That's, that's soon going to be my wife. It's such a special moment. To me, yeah, to me, she just looked perfect. She looked great. This is a bit of a picture of us and Jesus, the church mm. and Jesus. When Jesus looks at us, he doesn't look at a bunch of people and be like, oh, interesting, they're looking a bit weird today. They're looking <laughs> a bit tired. They're a bit grumpy today. He looks and he says, then, the bride. You are my bride. You are beautiful. Yeah, you're not perfect. To me, you are. And it's this incredible, powerful picture. As church, we are part of the bride. And I th honestly think when we understand this, it's got to change everything. Why do we want to be a part of the church? Because we are a part of the bride of Christ. Mm -hmm. We believe in Jesus. We believe that he is 
the king. We believe that he is an all authority. He is the one who created the heavens and the earth. And we get to be his bride. Do you not want to be a part of that? Why, why do you want to be part of the church? Um, because it's the bride of Christ. We want to spend our days. I want, if there's one thing I want to do, is I want to spend my days making the bride look as beautiful as possible before I die. If there's one calling, one thing in your life, it shouldn't be you know, getting a good job. It shouldn't be you know, making as much money. It should, would it not be better to try and make the bride as beautiful as possible? Yeah, we need, sometimes, do you know what? Good get good jobs. Why? Because we can give lots of money to the church and we can do all sorts of different things. We're making the bride beautiful. Mm. Yeah? There's all sorts of different helpful things, but actually we need to know that we are focusing on building the bride for Jesus' return. It's just, it is such a privilege to be caught up into this. Yeah, we're preparing the bride. And so when... Courtney comes in early to open up and does the word. She's preparing the bride. When Emil leads us in worship and brings us towards God, what's he doing? He's preparing the bride. When we go out and tell our friends about Jesus, what are we doing? And when we see people saved and added, and as we grow and become more like Jesus, what are we doing? We're preparing the bride. Why do we not want to be part of that? It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. This is question why are we planting a church well I mean a couple of us moved over from England and Wales although you did actually live in England um, you know a few, three years ago we moved over just a small group of us why do that I had a job Nina had a job I don't didn't speak Swedish do now <laughs> why do that thank you I was just waiting for someone to say that so build my pride why do that because we want to be part of building the bride. There's nothing more important in your life than building the church, than building the bride. Make it as beautiful as possible, in however you can, in whatever way you can. It's amazing. Okay. How? I don't know, what are the three questions? I've forgotten. Okay, what? The people of God. Why? It's the bride of Christ. Why ever not? Of course. And then finally, how? Okay. I want to, really just finishing in the next five or so minutes, just ten minutes maybe, give me ten minutes. Uh, I want to finish by looking at some of the practicalities of what being church looks like. And I think the the best, or one of the best, um, pieces of scripture that you can see, like what does the church look like, is in Acts and chapter 2. So I am going to, it is on the board, but this is another one that you can turn to if you want because it's a little bit of a chunk. And it's just this incredible, beautiful picture of the church. So it's Acts 2, 42. Literally, just before this picture of the church, what we see is the Holy Spirit has been poured out. Jesus has gone to heaven. Jesus was with his disciples, his followers, for a few years. Um, And then he says, I'm not going to be with you anymore, but I'm going to send someone else. And so Jesus goes off to heaven and his followers are like, what are we going to do now? Where's Jesus? And they wait in this room and then the Holy Spirit comes. And so this is who Jesus said. This is, this is his presence. And now, rather than Jesus just being one person, he is now available for all of us. He is inside of us. He's everywhere. 
And that's the presence of God. That's the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so that has literally just poured, been poured out. And so what, what is sort of like the direct result of the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? It's the founding of church. Peoples. All, la- all languages, all tongues, all tribes. People, 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 small groups just springing up here and there. And so we have this great, beautiful picture of the early church. Acts 2.42. Okay, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day attending the temple together breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favour with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved that is the early church it's an incredible description what did the early church look like? there it is there's a whole bunch of characteristics that I want to get inside us as a church, which we absolutely do not have time to go through. And it's going to be here all afternoon. Okay, they were devoted to the scripture. They were devoted to prayer. Salvation was a regular thing. There's all these things that are like, wow, I want that, I want that, I want that. And we should try and grab them and, and that helps prepare the bride. But I just want to look at one or focus on one today. There's words such as all together day by day homes food good word generous all people these words come up in this short scripture all together day by day homes the early church wasn't just an event on a sunday they shared life together so what does the church look like how yeah, what does it look like practically living life together, sharing life together? And we just see this with all these words in the scripture. And I've asked Nina to share a little bit, so please. <coughs> yeah. So Josh asked me to just share a little bit about church. I'm going to sh- uh, share two things. The first one. Uh, was I was thinking back on, I was reflecting as w- Josh was preparing, actually what is church and what do we see in this scripture but, and what do we see in the Bible, what church is. And so nine years ago when Josh and I moved from uh, our small town in north of England, we were moving down to Lancaster because I was studying to become a teacher. And I said to Josh, right, uh, we're going to do this properly now. We were part of a r- great church that where we met. Uh, we're going to go around to every church in the city and visit and we're going to really go around and that's good, that's what I did with my family and, and, and when we moved around quite a lot for my dad's work so I said right, that's what we're going to do um, and we're going to look at, you know in my head I was thinking I'm going to look at how they do worship how they do this and, you know, and then together uh, we would um, join a church uh, and that was way before God had started to talk to us about church planting. That was not even in my head. Uh, not even didn't really fully know why you should start a, a new church when there are other churches around. 
Um, so what happened was I didn't really get far. Mm. Normally in my life is I have very strong wills and I know exactly where I'm going and then often God comes and he changes things around, which is good, um, <laughs> always good. So uh, what happened was that I had a message from a girl called Katie uh, who was married to Scott and they together were, had moved to Lancaster uh, to start a church and what they did was they invited us on the Wednesday night to come to their house and have food with them and as I came into their house and uh, into their home I, it was one of those things I just felt at home I was like and I just it was like I just felt like no I don't need to waste my time it maybe wouldn't be a waste of time but basically we were invited into their home we had food with them they come you know we were together a lot and we became good friends and because of that we then became part of the church plant in that's now a church in in Lancaster and for me of course what I'm not saying of course great worship is very good you know we are led by great musicians and that is is good and you know oh hello and all of those things are very very good but what when I reflect back on to Lancaster where we used to live before coming here what was the reason why I decided this is a church or we decided uh, this is a church that I'm going to go to it was I was at home I there was community there was friendship mm. uh, there wasn't just a Sunday more meaning uh, meaning Sunday meeting um, and that was so important to me because when I, we look in the Bible we see people together, we see friends, fellowship, people sharing lives together. And I could see that in Scott and Katie and what they were trying to do. Uh, you know, church is not perfect. I'll tell you that because it's made up of us and I'm not perfect and no one is perfect. But that was the reason why I, we decided to join. Because there was community. There was, we were not just seeing each other on a Sunday but it was throughout the week and I could come just as I was after teaching or after I was training to be a teacher and just sit on the sofa and we ate together and we were hanging out and I was like yes that's what I want to be part of so that was the first thing I wanted to, to share the other thing was when Josh said okay can you share something practically about what church is for you I was like okay yeah I can do that so I went up yesterday and I was cleaning the toilets and uh, the bathroom upstairs and I was thinking okay what is it what do I think about when I think about church and the first thing I thought about was and again that was something that happened on Thursday night uh, I mentioned it last Sunday we had pizza and prayer uh, you know we regularly meet during the week and what I'm not saying at all is what's happening on a Sunday morning is uh, as important but when I think about church this is what I see in the Bible and this is how we want to have church is what happened in our house on sun uh, on Thursday night. So, Josh and I, and I'm just going to describe it to you for those of you who weren't there. So, Josh and I uh, had worked all day, and as people arrived, so we had people coming from church or friends coming, and they were eat, coming to eat pizza. They just walked in uh, into our house. You would have found Josh just arriving back with Harvey, our dog, and he was wet and he was wild. Mm. Uh, I was rushing up and down the stairs trying to get Freddie to sleep and put him to bed. And people just came in, into our home. Uh, they put pizzas in. I had someone uh, do the washing, um, uh, the dishes for me. People were together. We were eating pizza. Uh, some people were very tired because we've had a really bad day. Some people had a really good day. But we, we were together in a messy 
house because our house is very messy on Thursday. And that, if someone is to say to me, okay, Nina, what is church? Then I would say, yes, coming to a Sunday morning is, is super important. But I would say, if you want to see church in action, come on a Thursday night. Because that, that is what church is. It's friends being together. It is a bit messy. People are tired. Some people are not tired. And it is just being who you are, being real mm. with each other. And I think that is what we see here. You know, we don't need to have a perfect home to invite people around. It can be a bit messy, but it's coming in and being family. And that is what church is for me. (laughs) Because that's just a great example of what does church look like practically, living together, sharing life, not literally living together, but sharing life (laughs) together. (laughs) It's going to be some strange (laughs) cult. No. But, you know, we see here in the scriptures that actually they shared life together. Okay, we're in a big city, it looks a bit different to what it did 2,000 years ago, but as far as possible we want to share life together. And so one thing we are doing to help this, to facilitate this, is that we are going to be starting up a new midweek meeting. And so there is going to be two small groups. So, whoop, whoop, a little bit of a jig. Uh, what a small group is, is led by um, a couple of couples. So we have, no, not couples, actually, sorry, that's wrong. We have Emil, Becky, and Courtney will be leading one. And then Alid and Emil will be leading... Oh, no, Chloe. This is going terribly. Alid, <laughs> Alid, Alid and Chloe will be leading the other. And what these are is just really small groups, hence the name, of people. And so on a Sunday, we meet as a, as a bigger group of people. But throughout the week, to help facilitate to help us grow in community we're going to start these small groups and so you know Emil and his leadership group will have one Alid and Chloe will have another and they're just going to be great times of community and I've, I've said to the guys who are leading basically do what you want but the most important thing is that there's community that you know eat together enjoy each other's company so li- Enjoy the picture that Nina just shared a little bit of the Thursday night prayer meeting, where you know everyone's a bit here, there, and everywhere. But hey, we're together. Because that's what we see in the Bible. That it's not just a Sunday event. That's important. It's really, this, it, Jesus said, you know, when two or three of you are together, my, 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 I'm there as well. There's something important about meeting as a big group. But also there's something about, important about meeting as small groups. And so what is going to happen is that at some point, I guess, over the next couple of days, these are going to start, not this week, but next week. Uh, I think one will be on Tuesday, one will be on Wednesday. And over the next couple of days, approximately, I guess, the leaders will come up and invite you to one of the groups. So what I have done is I've roughly put names in both groups and thought, okay, this would be good, this would be good. Um, And so the leaders will come and say, hey, would you like to be part of my group? And you can say, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'd like I to be part of their group. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. Um, so do expect that. If you're a visitor here today, you are so, so, so welcome to be part of our groups. Okay, this is something that is super important to us. It's not the be-all and end-all of church. We're not just a Sunday and a Tuesday night thing. We want to live as much life together as possible. But do come, I mean, you, if you want to be part of a group, if you want to try one, you can come and speak to me, and I can point you in the direction of one of the sets of group leaders or alternatively you can speak directly to them 
but hey I'm super excited about this because it's a great it's going to be we, we have a lot of friends and we have a lot of friends who don't know Jesus and we want those people to get to know Jesus because we know the reality of knowing Jesus is a life of freedom yeah like my chains are gone it's like I was walking around with chains trying all sorts of different things to release the chains from me you know I'm not going to go into my story of how I became a Christian but all sorts of things nothing worked the only thing that worked is Jesus my chains are gone this is freedom and we want our other friends we want friends to know that to experience that reality and so a great way to bring friends in to the church is to bring them in on a small group on a Tuesday night on a Wednesday night hey we're having pizza no you probably won't be having pizza because I think everyone's really fed up with pizza yes, yes we are <laughs> hot dogs or whatever you do whatever you want you're the leaders okay <laughs> but it's but it's this bringing together of one another I'm going to invite him up we're going to finish by singing um,